Well, good morning to you. How are you this morning? Good morning. Woo! All right. I thought you got an extra hour of sleep. Let's try that again. How are you? All right. That's okay. That's okay. Well, good. I hope you got rested, except for those of you who with kids, small kids, because they woke up at the same time, right? Their body was still on the same clock. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, but I do not. So I slept well. So I'm refreshed, ready to jump into this. So if you got your sermon notes, take those out. Uh, we'll start walking through this. Uh, and if you didn't get them, slip up your hand and Pastor Anson will uh, come. T- <laughs> I looked back there, he wasn't there. But then he, he magically appeared. That was, I wish you guys have seen, could have saw what I just saw. That was fun. Um, we're going to jump into this, and we're continuing this series called uh, Spiritual Disciplines. And what we're talking about is these things we need to put into practice daily in our Christian life. I, like, like These are like non-negotiables, really, to grow and build our faith, getting in God's Word regularly. That's why we gave you a card and said, hey, let's collectively, let's as a church, we'll walk through this together. So how you doing, church? We're on day 14 of our reading plan, all right? Doing okay? Some of you are like... Yeah, some of you are like, don't look this way. Oh, jump into it, gang. Uh, we're on day 14. You can catch up if you want or just start today on chapter 14. There's still a lot of good stuff throughout the book of Luke. Um, being in God's word daily, praying, getting up in the morning and saying, I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to start part of my day praying to God. And now you can do that every single day. We offered uh, just an extra kind of corporate time of prayer Wednesday night, listen, or morning. I didn't know what to expect that day. And it was about three or four minutes till 6 a.m. And I think there was about seven of us uh, in here. And I thought, hmm, okay. Um, but the Lord kind of rushed them in that last few minutes. And, and we had a, a pretty good crowd here. Um, and, and just <laughs> really for me, um, there was no really bells and whistles to the morning. We just prayed for a half hour, and I found myself like getting emotional trying to just lead from up front that morning, just seeing God's people here and praying. In fact, it was so impactful that Pastor Anson and I immediately got together and talked about how to put this right back on the calendar uh, at a date uh, pretty soon down the road. So we'll talk about that uh, later as we talk about the Christmas end of the year and that kind of stuff. But we're going to talk about a different one, because when you talk about spiritual disciplines, it's pretty easy to go to, well, read the Bible and pray and go to church. Um, and what, what else do I do? Um, so we're going to talk about one you may not think about as much, but it's a powerful spiritual discipline and necessary for us to put into play for this ongoing growth in our Christian life with God and our connection and growth even with others. And it's this issue of confession. Confession. It's when we say, hey, let me tell you something I need to tell you. And I confess. Often it comes with a, I did this type of thing as well. But it is when we reveal something, when we disclose ourselves in some way, that is confession. And it's so important to any relationship. So here's the overarching thing I want you to think of. I want you to think of less just in terms of a, I need to get this off my chest type of thing, so I need to confess. That's part of what the Bible teaches us. But I want you to think this overarching in terms of restoration, healing, and fullness of relationship. Confession is always necessary when we want those things to happen. And when we consider our relationship with God, our ongoing growth of that relationship, confession is important for that relationship as well. St. Thomas More once said it this way, confession is the giving up of stones. 
And what he meant by that is that if you can picture yourself picking up stones or rocks and carrying them around, and what a burden that might be, and the weight that might be on you, and the awkwardness it is to carry things, maybe on your hands or you know, in between your arms or wherever you would carry. And he says, confession is the giving up, the letting go, the dropping of those and getting rid of those stones. If you ever carried something around and when you release it, the freedom you felt the moment you released it. There's actually this extra light sensation you feel for just a moment, almost like you're floating up. Confession does that just the same, is what the quote is saying. So that's what we're looking at. David, in God's word, he actually, in in Psalm chapter 32, writes it this way, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Doesn't sound like a very pleasant state. He describes that as what it's like when I refuse to confess. When I refuse to say, I did this, I groaned, and my body wasted away. We can actually get this physical picture that he's writing. So the two things I want to talk about today are confession and forgiveness. And they go hand in hand. But this morning, not so much talking about you offering forgiveness. We've actually talked about that uh, last week when we talked about how Jesus teaches us to pray But I want to talk about receiving forgiveness as well this morning. Confession and forgiveness. Because A.W. Tozer says it this way, God fully expects us not only to confess our sins, but also to walk in the glow of forgiveness. So our spiritual health, our spiritual growth, and confession, these go hand in hand. If we want to be strong in our faith, we want to grow up and build up in our faith, Spiritual health and confession, these things actually go together and work together. Let's take a look at the the longer version of the passage I just read uh, that David writes in Psalm. He starts it this way. He says, yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared their guilt. Those lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer boat or heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. That's this picture that we want to walk through this morning, being able to disclose, to confess, to say, to even declare, I did that, to surrender this, to drop stones, and to understand the guilt is gone, forgiveness has come, and you are lighter because the burden is removed. So how do we repent? How do we repent? Well, what is repentance before we jump into that? We often think of repentance in this terms of that I just simply don't sin anymore. I don't do that sin anymore. And it would be accurate in those terms to repent, to turn away from that sin, to walk in a different direction away from that sin. But the word repentance is actually a much broader term and a general term, right? Not just used to describe that. In fact, this morning, if we were to get in the car and head on a trip and you'd say, hey, Tom, do you know where you're going? I'd say, yeah, I know where I'm going. Just, you know hang with me. And we started driving. And then it started to become a little apparent that maybe I didn't know and you weren't sure. You know, you're like, are you, are you sure you know? It feels like we've gone a little far. 
I'm good, you know, I, I got this. You know, before GPS, that's how us men operated, right? And we just kept driving, and then it became clear to me, I don't know where I'm going. I've gone too far. I've missed a turn. I've missed something. You know, this is not right, right? So what do I do? Well, before GPS, we just would very nonchalantly figure out a reason to turn around, and it was part of the plan. But the GPS is pretty clear, right? You got to turn around. It says, you know, you know do a U-turn. So that's what we do. I repent. I turn from that direction and say, clearly we're going the wrong way. I repent, and we head back in the right direction. That is what the term repentance means. So you can see here, not only is when we talk about repentance in terms of sin, we're saying God, God is, we're confessing. God's going to remove. There's going to be forgiveness. We're going to talk about that. But we are put back on the right track. We're turned. And listen, the most important thing in our spiritual growth is always direction. It is where am I headed? How am I tracking with the Lord? Did you get off track with the Lord in your Christian walk ever? You know? Yeah. But when you turn and you get back on track, God doesn't say, look at all the time we wasted. You, know? you spent a lot of time off that track. God says, I'm so blessed to have you back in this direction. That's the word repentance. So how do we do that? How does this come about in terms of what we're talking about here? Well, here's a first encouragement. I want to encourage you, take a moral inventory. You ever thought about this? To take a moral inventory in the sense of actually look at your life and say, like, is there anything in my life? Is there any way God would say, don't live that way? Is there any way God would say, would you please live this way? Because I've called people to do this. Is there anything that I'm just like ignoring altogether? It was also David who wrote in Psalm 139, he says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in my life that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Like David is putting himself in this vulnerable spot to say, would you reveal completely my intentions, my thoughts, my actions, anything that you would find offensive, Lord? Anything that would be outside of, remember we talked about your will, what God's will is, not second-by-second dictation. God's will is God's way, living God's way. Is there anything like that, God? And put me on the path towards living out your will and living out your way. I think every single one of us, we have one person that evaluates our life probably the most. In fact, for some of us, it might be the only evaluator to our life. You want to know who that person is? It's not your spouse. They might evaluate. Um, it's you. It's ourself. Like, I mean, that is our greatest evaluator of life. We evaluate ourselves through our own lenses. And what that leads to sometimes is sometimes this warped view of what's really going on. Sometimes we're really easy on ourselves, right? I mean, sometimes it's just like, nah, it's fine, Tom. You're not doing anything wrong. You're good. You know, God doesn't really want you to do that. Did God really say don't do that? I mean, I evalu- I'm very light, you know, very easy on myself. Sometimes I'm really hard on myself, harder than Christ would ever be on me, right? Like sometimes I'm so hard, I don't even give the avenue for confession and forgiveness and that kind of thing. You know, I'm just, I'm just a terrible, rotten, horrible person. But think about if I were to bring in Maybe two or three people. Maybe I'd tell, hey, my spouse, come on in and be an evaluator for me. Maybe another friend outside of that, hey, come on in. Maybe somebody I work with really closely, they see me a lot, you know, come on in. And I ask them to be evaluators. I would start to get a little bit of a truer picture. 
if they started to say, hey, you know, solid in this area, but we've got a few other, you know, I kind of have watched the way you've treated a few people or your words or these, things like that. I'd start to get a little bit truer picture, except for the things that I'm hiding 100% from them. David is going like straight to God and saying, God, you see it all anyway. If there be anything that I'm not seeing in my own evaluation, if there be anything that even those that I've brought in close to me are not seeing in their evaluation, would you show me that? My intents, my thoughts, my actions, anything. Because David is saying here, I want to be walking on that path directly to you. I think there's three ways we, we, like we need to think in this term when we think in moral uh, evaluation here or inventory. One, um, what are we doing that God says don't do? Like when we look in God's word and God says, hey, don't lie. It destroys, it kills relationships when we lie, right? Don't do that. Like, oh man, I've been slipping those here and there. I didn't think anyone noticed, and maybe they haven't. Um, but you're walking the edge, right, of destroying relationship. So uh, what are we doing that God says don't do? Well, the second thing is, what are we not doing that God says to do? Like if God says you know, to you, like, hey, like, really love your neighbor, and you're like, I can't stand my neighbor, you know? They rev up that engine at 9 o'clock at night, and they only did it once five years ago, but that was enough, right? And, like, and I, just, I just don't connect with them at all or whatever, you know? Or we say, I tried one time, but you know, they didn't receive it very well, so I said, you know, my head, forget them. And God says, no, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. What does God say to do that you're not doing? And then this third one, it sounds the same, but it's different. Is there any way that you've just chosen inaction entirely? If you've just said, that's messy, I'm just going to stay away from it. I'm going to remove myself entirely. You know, like I, I, I drive the streets, you do too, you know, where those affected by homeless, maybe I drove them to a street corner, and then and that's, that's where they're at in life right now. And you're like, ah, that's just a little too messy for me. I don't know their intents. You know, I don't know what they'll do with what I give them. I don't, and we, and we, we choose inaction, apathy. I just want to stay away from this. Those are the three areas I would encourage you, evaluate, walk through that. And ask, just like David, is there any way within me, Lord, that's offensive to who you are? Here's the second thing. Accept the blame. Just simply say, it was me. You know, I, I did it. It was me. Can you remember, most of us have a childhood story when we tried to get away with something at home, and we blame the most convenient people in our, our house, unless you're an only child, and I don't know what you did, Right? Most convenient people are our siblings, right? We'll blame them for everything. I mean, I, I have two brothers, and it's, it still is convenient to blame my two brothers, right? And we're in our 40s. Uh, but that's what you did when, you came, when mom and dad came home and they said, what just happened here? You, 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 you sent it on to someone else. Now, usually parents, they're pretty perceptive, a lot more perceptive than I thought when I was a kid, Right? probably a lot more than my kids think I am, we figure it out, right? We figure out who did it. Eventually, you have to say it was me. It was, I did it. Here's what the scripture, take a look at this. This is the story when the prodigal son is out and he's living his life the way he wants with his inheritance. And he squanders it all. And eventually, he's in this, this horrible state and this is what he says. When I finally came to my senses, he said to himself, at, 
At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, if you don't know the story of the prodigal son, all right, then, you know, this is an absolute beautiful story, and you're going to read it tomorrow, Luke chapter 15, right? Because you're reading a chapter a day through the book of Luke, right? So you'll read this tomorrow, and as you're reading this, the beauty of this story is at the end when the kid returns, the father sees him off in a distance, and he runs to that kid. He doesn't say, oh, that rotten kid, you know. Um, runs to his child, throws the coat on his, you know, f- kills the fattened calf. They have a great celebration. It's a beautiful part of the story. But the most powerful part of the story we just read, it's this. He says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. Because that day of celebration, that day of reunion, that started down in the muck. Because that's where he was, in the pig slop. When he says, it was me. It was I. I have sinned. I don't have anyone else around. We didn't blame the pigs. It was I. It was me. There's power in that when we accept the blame. And we say, I confess, it was I. Now, culturally, uh, here's what we like to do. We're okay sometimes with saying me or I, but we like to follow it with but. We like to say, yes, it was I, which is the key word, but let me tell you what they did. Let me tell you about the circumstances. Let me tell you about this. And then we add anything. Now, there's nothing wrong with understanding circumstances and contents and how that all came about, but the confession of saying it was I, I made this choice. I sinned against you, God, or I did this against you, or you asked me to do this, and I said, forget you, God. I'm not doing that, right? And we accept the blame. And that's powerful when we turn to God and we say, it was I, it was me. And it leads us to this third thing, is then we ask for forgiveness. Then we say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. And you know what we find in Scripture? He always does. Proverbs chapter 28 says this, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That's what we're talking about, this mercy of forgiveness. Do you know what forgiveness actually is? Forgiveness is the dismissal of condemnation. That's what it is. They say, you deserve this. There's some condemnation. I deserve to be angry at you, right? But I forgive you. I forgive you. Now, sometimes people mix up forgiveness, which we should offer, with then never having boundaries in the future. That's important to have. But what we find here is God will forgive us. Forgive us. Can I ask you a question? Do you want to be forgiven? Like, do you want that? Like, when you confess to God, don't we usually confess with the hope right away that we'll be forgiven? Now, when we go to people, it's hit or miss. When we ask people, hey, will you forgive me? We don't know. It's hit or miss. They may say yes. They may say no. They may say yes, but they really didn't at all. But with God, he'll always forgive us. Always forgive us. Fast 1 John 1.9 says it this way. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. That he'll forgive us and he'll purify us. That means when he looks at us, he doesn't even look at us with stains on there. It's not like he says, you know, I see all these stains, I see all these miserable things, but, you know, we'll just, we'll just get by. He looks at us as pure. That's amazing. I don't even, to be honest, know how with human eyes looking upon another human being, how we can quite get to that stage where we look upon somebody as pure when we've forgiven them. But that is what the Word of God says. So for you, you've been forgiven. If you've sought God and you've asked and you've confessed and asked for forgiveness, you've been forgiven and He looks at you as pure. That's powerful. And then it leads us to this fourth thing, that it's easy to skip over when we talk about confession. We just say, well, we confess and we get forgiveness and then life goes on. But this last one is important as well. It's simply this, to let it go, to let it go. Or say it this way, understand that you are forgiven. You are forgiven. So I ask you this question as well. Do you believe that God has forgiven you? I mean, do you believe that? That if you've confessed before God, that you believe that God has forgiven you. Psalm 103 says it this way, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. Like it's gone, wiped away out of there. That's what the word of God says. Do you believe you have been forgiven? Yes. So let me ask you a different question. Do you want to be forgiven? Now you might say, well, I don't understand the question. That kind of, kind of sounds like a duh. We talked about you know, confession and forgiveness and, and that. Let me ask it in a different way. Do you want to live as one who is forgiven? Do you want to have received and accepted God's forgiveness? Because what we do sometimes, if we're not careful, is we seek the forgiveness. We might even celebrate it. And then what God has forgiven us for, as we're walking out, we just pick it right back up and we go on wanting to carry the burden of what we have been forgiven for. And God said, no, I've forgiven you of that. I've dismiss that condemnation from your life. Now, we live in a, a land where there's laws. It doesn't mean you might not go to jail for what you did. You know, it doesn't mean there might not be a punishment, a ramification here on this earth. But our God forgives us. There's no eternal condemnation for you. You can still be made right with God. You can still walk daily in his salvation every day. And heaven eternal is still awaits you. There's a time when a lady caught in sin, caught in adultery, was brought to Jesus. Now, the religious leaders who brought her there, they meant to bring her there to try to trap Jesus in his words and then see how he would deal with it. Jesus has this interaction with them where he writes in the, in the sand, and whatever he writes, is so, uh, it, it, it so much baffles them or convicts them that they just start to move away one by one, and they're all gone, left with Jesus and this woman. But the significant relationship is right there. And Jesus says scripture in John chapter 8, Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Like in a very quick and subtle way, Jesus is saying, look, you're forgiven. I don't bring condemnation on you as well. 
Now go out and sin no more. Like, don't go out and do that again because I forgave you. That's not really how this works. Paul says in one of his writings, you know, do we keep sinning because grace abounds? No, not at all. But he says, I don't condemn you. You're forgiven here. Now go live out a life of being forgiven. Now go live it out. That's powerful for us. Listen, some of you, I think today, you're still struggling You're still trapped in believing that there is condemnation on you even after forgiveness. Not in God's eyes. Not the way God's word teaches us here. You let that go. So we take a a moral inventory. We just seek and search our life. I would encourage you to do that regularly in your life. We accept the blame for what we accept the blame for. Don't need to accept the blame for something that is not yours to take. But accept the blame for yours. Ask forgiveness on that. Lord, would you forgive me? And then let it go and release that thing and move on. Here's the takeaway this morning. A question for you. What have you never confessed? Like, what is there that, like, you know, it kind of lingers on there, but you just kind of move on in life or you try to not dwell or not think on it? What is there that you can go before God and confess? Lord, forgive me. I confess this to you. It was me. I did this. Is there something that you need to confess to someone else as well? Is there somebody you need to go to, a a, a damaged relationship, something like that, to go and confess? That was me. That was I. Now, I told you at the beginning, the most powerful thing that this does is build relationship. It restores relationship with God and with others. Picture this. Like, let's just say I was uh, living next to somebody. I had a neighbor. We had a fence between us, right? And I'm in the backyard, and I'm doing my backyard mowing and clipping and those type of things, you know, those type of things that you do every couple weeks or so. And I'd pile it in the back corner of the yard next to the fence, and then I'd throw it over the fence into my neighbor's yard, right? All the clippings and all the cuttings and the trimmings and those type of things. Now, I used to live next to Neil and Fair. I never did that, okay? I just, this is not a true story, so... But let's just say I just pitched that over in the yard, right? Just flipped it over, and I just went on my, my way, you know? Came in the driveway, you know, hey, Bob, how you doing? You know, to my neighbor and just moved on with life. Well, do you think they know that I did that? I mean, it's right next to their fence. It couldn't have really been anyone else. Maybe they even saw me do it, but they haven't quite figured out how to confront me or talk to me about this. But I get out in the driveway, right? And I just move on with life, you know, like, hey, how's the kids? Yeah, how's soccer? Yeah, you know, and we just move on and just try to live joyful life with our neighbors all the time. I'm back there dumping stuff in their backyard, right? Now, we might get along in the driveway. It might look really joyful. Other neighbors might go like, man, they really know each other. But what's that relationship really like? Not very good. Or not the fullness of what it could be. It's the same with our relationship with God. When we're just continuing with God, we're like coming to worship service and we're praising and we're lifting and we're continuing on. But there is this area of unconfessed behavior or sin or he's calling us to something and we're rejecting his call. What's that relationship like? It's certainly not all it can be. There's so much more in that relationship. What have you never confessed? That's what confession does. 
I read his word daily. I pray daily. And if there be anything in my life, I confess that daily before God. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Start with one thing. Like just what's one thing? Like if confession has never been part of your daily thing, please don't rack up a list of 50 things, all right? Tomorrow will be a miserable day for you. What is one thing to start with and just say, Lord, that was me? And confess that to the Lord. Lord, say, Lord, forgive me. Believe his word when the the promise of his word is that you are forgiven when you ask it. And then move on. Here's another helpful thing to add to this. How about finding a mature believer? A mature believer that knows God's word. Somebody who will, you can confess to as well. You can say, you know, like, I, I've been doing this. And I just need to confess. And that person can be a part of helping you, holding you accountable as well, reminding you of the forgiveness of God and the love of God that he says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That mature believer partners with the message of God. Confession is that important. For some of you, you've never thought of confession as a spiritual discipline. And I want to encourage you to add this in, to add this time daily of confession into your life. Confess, then receive what God has to offer, and then move forward. (laughs) And just like we said at the beginning, and David writes at the end of the psalm, and you forgave me, all my guilt is gone. Confession is the giving up of stones, that feeling of lightness when the burden is gone. And then you know what's beautiful? Boy, your hands are free to carry something more meaningful, like the mission of God, or reaching somebody for Christ, or blessing somebody, or serving somebody. Those are burdens I want to take up and partner with God on there. It's very hard to do that when we're still holding our sin. So here's what I want to do. I just want to pray to close the service. And I want to just give you a little time. Uh, you pray on your own. In fact, as soon as we bow our heads, you can ignore me altogether if you want and just go before God yourself and just confess if you need to. Confess. He'll hear you. He'll hear every voice. So let's pray. So, Father, I believe in this room right now there is someone, probably many, Lord, they've never even thought of the concept of confessing. They just kind of thought, well, God, he knows it. And, I mean, he knows when I kind of feel bad. They've never thought of the discipline of intentionally saying, Lord, I did this. Forgive me. And they've never thought intentionally about owning the promise of saying, I have been forgiven. I will go and sin no more. If that's you this morning, would you, just, would you just take a moment to bring confession to the Lord? I mean, this is just a moment in our service. You can spend this time in a daily discipline in your life outside of this building. But for the next moment, would you just take confession to the Lord? And if you just made confession, the question is, do you want to be forgiven? Simply say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me.
Now I encourage you, go as one and live as one who is forgiven. Don't pick up the stones again. Lord, we're claiming victory in this area for many people in this room. We're praying, Lord, that this discipline would be added in. It would be something that would be impactful every moment, every day of our lives as we put this in. And I'm praying, Lord, it would free the people of God from sin, that they would be freed up to live out this Christian faith and live out this mission of God because sin is not going to hamper or be the barrier. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I processed a, a little bit this week on uh, the, the prayer card, and I know for a couple of these things, it may be a little harder to figure out how to write out something that you want to confess and have me pray for this week. Um, but if you would like to use the card in the prayer, please do that. But if you think, hey, that's a little weird and a little awkward, and you want to use the card and just hand it to me direct, that would be fine. Uh, or please feel free just to contact me, call or, or email me this week if there's anything you want to just process or talk through, or if you're struggling with just the concept of forgiveness. I would love for you not to just kind of be wondering and, and thinking about it, and, uh, but, but be able to talk through it. So please do that uh, on the prayer card. Anything else we can pray for, uh, please let us know uh, that, that we can be praying. Last week, we, we had these three great prayer opportunities, and uh, we'll have two this week. So um, with our staff praying and our men praying Wednesday night. So use that card and do that. Uh, would be great. Hey, a couple things uh, that, are, that are going on. Uh, I reminded you that we're in the reading plan, so we're on 14 today. Pick up one of these cards if that would be helpful for you uh, to keep walking through. And then our spiritual disciplines calendar, the remaining items are on a card that looks like this, and these are scattered around uh, as well. So uh, grab one of those uh, uh, also. And then uh, the youth, we said last week, for those who are affected by homelessness, are, are, they're collecting uh, some food items and different, different items that they're collecting and putting together in backpacks. And so if you would, this week, uh, one more week to bring that stuff in. The cards look just like this. Um, just go out when you're shopping and, and, and just buy a bunch of items on this and bring that in. You can bring it into the church office as you want, Monday, Tuesday, and uh, Thursday uh, as well, and, and uh, somebody will be here, or Wednesday night when the activities are going on uh, as well would be great. So we appreciate the youth doing that. That's a really significant ministry. Um, we're doing uh, Deck the Halls, our second year of that, on the 24th of November, so come out and um, with the fellowship and some snacks and some music, but we'll decorate the whole church as well and make it look all Christmas pretty. Now, some people last week were saying, why are we decorating before Thanksgiving? So let me just explain the timeline. We're going to have church together on the 24th. Then in the evening, we're going to decorate. Then we're not going to see each other until the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which is the first week of Advent. So we want to be ready to go. So that's kind of the reason it looks like it's before Thanksgiving but the, you will see it on uh, the next Sunday. So join us for that. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And then finally, Christmas Eve service on the 24th, 6.15. We're doing one service. We want to just pack it out. Um, I've told you before, it's about three Sundays a year or three services a year that people are most likely to say yes to coming to church. And so I want to encourage you, get those invites out now. But I can guarantee you, they won't come if you don't come. Guaranteed, right? It's locked in. So um, I know for some of you, you have to think a little bit about moving around, like maybe you're, you're 
your open the one gift schedule or your Christmas dinner schedule. I know how that, I, that might work into it. But I'm just encouraging you this one time uh, out of about three hours uh, a year that people are most likely to say yes to coming to church and that you would use this time to, to be here, invite somebody to come along with you, and, uh, and we'll do our best to make it an impactful service that evening on Christmas Eve. So, yeah. Sound good? Well, all right, good. Oh, are you sleeping on me? You drifted off on me here? That extra hour of sleep has worn off. So, all right. Well, why don't uh, invite our, our ushers if they would come? I, I don't see our ushers. So, so here's what we'll do this morning. Uh, oh, they're flying into action. So, all right. Substitute ushers. Thank you, guys. For, um, But uh, we'll invite our ushers to go ahead and come forward and receive. But remember, you can give in the boxes that are in the fellowship hall uh, as well or windoverhills.org, which is is now we're about over half of our giving is coming online now. So if you want to use that route, please take a look at the website also. Why don't you stand and uh, let's go out singing one more. <laughs>